TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. That highlight courtesy of Fox Sports North. I'm Rami Makloff. It is the Score North Twins show along with Judd Zolgad, Derek Wetmore, our Twins reporter. Find his thoughts and musings on your Minnesota Twins at scorenorth.com. Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. Since Manny played the highlight to start the show, I, I'm serious. I'm not saying this to be to, to exaggerate, to use hyperbole in any way whatsoever. I never saw that ball land. Do we know where that ball ended up, where it went? I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. Well, I I have no idea. Yeah, you must have just had it's, the clip. It's kind of hard to tell in that ballpark. Though. Yeah, and they talked about the train tracks. So those ones that run out there in the outfield, I, I think it must have gone up there because yeah, he didn't uh, he didn't spend any time standing to watch that one. It left frame and never came back in. Mm-mm. The home run. You guys remember the home run that uh, Albert hit off of Brad Lidge in that in yeah. that NLCS Who could way forget? back when. Yeah, yeah, Brad Lidge certainly didn't forget about <laughs> oh, no. it. Um, but th- we, we, I don't think we ever saw where that one went either. No. Like it yeah. just disappeared. So those balls at some point are going to collide in orbit as they uh, just float around up there. But yeah, that I mean, that Altuve one, that was the game. Right. Yeah, ball game over when he hits that. And Duffy knew it. You could see his reaction. Yeah. And we, we got a lot to talk about today on the show, including I want Derek's thoughts on what Royce Molly said to uh, Judd, Phil, and myself yesterday on Mackie and Judd with Rami, weekdays, 4 to 6, right here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Um, but that game He's last night. really good at that, during, during, <laughs> during that game last night, I tweeted out after the Brewers, or Brewers Twins, that's the third time I've done that now. After the Twins came back and tied that game up, I said, this Twins team is resilient as hell. And yeah. I, I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about that. Yes, what happened last night and that highlight you heard was the nail in the coffin. It was it was ugly after the, the Twins came back and tied it up for the most part. It was, all, it was all Astros. But a trend for this Twins team throughout this season has been, you score, we score. Like that... And I don't know exactly, they keep on quoting the statistic on Fox Sports North. I don't know what it's up to now, but it does seem like every time the other team scores, the bats come out and, and get their pitcher some runs right away, almost immediately. Yeah, it's a big offensive lineup. Right. And that's kind of what I would expect from a group like that. There's Yes, there is this built-in resiliency that we certainly shouldn't overlook, that that's a trait that this team really has. But you know what else helps when it comes to being resilient and scoring runs after you've been scored on? Being a good offense. That's what I see right now. It's like the Twins just have good hitters up and down the lineup. That allows them to be able to come back. I just think I think we should advance beyond calling them this like plucky group that gets hits when they need to. It's like, no, they get hits all the time. They're right. scoring runs pretty constantly, I and that's agree. a good trait. I agree completely, and that's good offense. And, and that's why we need to start to put the pressure on for this bleeping bullpen t- to be improved. <laughs> I do that. No, I'm serious. Let's let's give them cre- let's give them credit. They're not a plucky nice team. Right. They can score runs. Yeah. But damn it, you got to be able to pitch. Right. Like this is disturbing. And Tyler Duffy, I can tell you, I the first time I, I think he pitched against Toronto. 
at home last week, and it's the same story. It was the same story last year. He comes out and he looks pretty good, and you're like, oh, there might be it might be different. Tyler Duffy, there might be something here. And then, but I thought to myself, okay, let's wait and see. Let's see a couple times. Let's see three times through, sure. and, and then it happens, and it's Tyler Duffy. So yeah, let's give these guys credit for not being plucky. They're not plucky. They're actually pretty doggone good. They can hit the baseball, but you've got to have a competent bullpen. And what's frustrating now is is they only rely on or can trust X amount of guys. Sure. So they're pitching them too much. They're going to wear them down. Like you can, I can script this for you perfectly. I don't need any help. So make me wrong. Go do something. Right. Realize that you've got a team that offensively is really pretty doggone good. And give these guys, I'm not saying that you need to go get Cy Young, but give these guys the proper help because. We all know that we are now operating in a baseball society where you're not going to ask your starter to go out there and, well, we don't really trust the bullpen today, so give us eight, kid, right? That's gone. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm also fine with that. The game has advanced in different ways. That's cool. But then you got to know where you stand in that advancement. Mm -hmm. And watching that bullpen last night again reel and, and do what they did is disturbing because to Rami's point, you know what? They came right back. Right. And that, and that, by the way, I think that's the norm. Like, I, I don't think last night's a cute story. I think what you tweeted yeah. about last night is going to be the norm. So let's give that group of people the help that they need. And my question is, going back to what Derek said of, yeah, resiliency is, is a quality that's, that's good in a baseball team. But at the end right. of the day, what matters is they have the bats. They have the guys who can hit. And this is a question that you run into often in sports, but I think in baseball more than any other, because confidence plays such a huge role. Is confidence and resiliency, it's a chicken or the egg argument, is confidence and resiliency why you're confident, or is it the other way around? In in other words, in past years with this Twins team, they would get down a few runs, and I think guys looked around that dugout and just went, we don't have the horses to catch up. Hmm. So there was a mindset that, sort of accompanies when you don't have the bats, whereas when you do have the horses, the other team scores three runs, and instead of going game over and everybody hanging their heads in the dugout, you look around and you go, oh, we got we got Nelson Cruz. Byron Buxton is yes. hitting the ball off the cover. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you look around that dugout and up and down that lineup, and you have confidence when you go up to that plate that you're part of something that can mount a comeback. And so I think, it, like I said, it's a chicken and the egg thing. Are they resilient because they're good, or are they good because they're resilient? Yeah. I think the the answer is, and, and we've seen the opposite of this in previous years, I think the answer is they are resilient because they are good, but also I go um, Cruz, Gonzalez, and Scope. Because how many times, yes. how many times, Derek, did we see that team That's exactly where I was have problems? Yeah. And they'd look around, and who would be there saying, I'll lead you guys back? And it was Dozier. And Dozier, like, Brian Dozier. And you're like, dude, no, you won't. Now, you might once in a while. But they now look around, and they not only have the bats, but they have... So when Byron Buxton is sort of probably down in the dive a little bit, he looks at Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is like, kid, there's nothing wrong here. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, right? Right, exactly. So, so but, but that's a credit to the construction of this roster in that sense. Agreed. That's why my bullpen frustration is growing. Because in some ways, these guys have addressed exactly what we just talked about and solved it. Right. I mean, Nelson Cruz looks around and is like, A, I'm a good hitter, so I'll help us get out of this. But but B, there's some good hitters on this team, man. Let's let's go get that run back. Kepler, go drive that ball to the outfield. We'll play to run. All right, 4-4. 
Marwin Gonzalez does not stare down Wade Miley in the early innings of an April game and get nervous. I guarantee you that. Marwin Gonzalez doesn't have to say anything, but when he's sitting in that dugout, everyone of his teammates knows he got Kenley Jansen in the World Series. That's that's pressure. That's April baseball is nothing. I mean, the wins matter. They all count on your ledger at the end, but staring down one of the best relievers of his generation with games in the World Series on the line and coming through with the biggest hit of your life, that's pressure. So he knows how to respond in those moments. It's it's an important reference point, not just for him, but I'll say for the club too. Jonathan Scope is the third name you mentioned. I think he's a funny example because he was on a good Brewers team last year. He didn't really do very much to help him. Mm-hmm. Before that, he was on a bad, bad Orioles team. And so he can look around at this lineup and say, you guys... Like, the Orioles, as bad as they were, probably came back and won some games. So he's probably thinking to himself, he'll never say this, because why it's would you a throw mentality teammates? Too, though, right? But he gets to say, like, we've got the bats to do this. Like, Jorge Polanco's a good hitter. I was playing with a minor league lineup just last but year, if you're Polanco, and now we can do this. But if you're Polanco, you look at those guys, the and they're veteran like, oh, he's guys. Calm? And they're, yeah, exactly. This is why um, clubhouse construction and and the importance of guys that can lead is so key. Because if, if the guy who can, if Byron Buxton's trying to say, well, I'm going to be really good someday and we should all follow me, guys are like, no, I don't think so. But if you look at, at the three guys that Derek just talked about, I think in the midst of a big game, you, you look at their faces and they're like, okay, we're fine. Yeah. And then you're like, oh. Oh, this is fine? Yeah. Yeah. If you're Mitch Garver, now you look across the aisle and you can say like, oh, Cruz isn't sweating. It's like, yeah, why would I be sweating? It's the seventh inning. we got nine more outs. Correct. We're a good hitting team. We're going to score some runs. Now, last night, I get it. You got trounced by one of the best teams in baseball. Probably the best team in baseball, for my money. But I don't think that that's representative of where this Twins team is at. In fact, you could look no further than Monday's game, where they, you know, jumped out and beat the champs. Like, they they weren't scared because it's the Houston Astros. They just went and won a good ball game. You've got to give them a chance, though. You've got to get... The, the front office has to give them a consistent chance. And right now, I feel, and and this goes. This is not Baldelli's fault, but I feel down down to Rocco. Starting, I should say, with him, I feel like there's not a consistent chance being given here. Where do you guys think this bullpen rates? Uh, and like, let's just maybe even American League or you you follow the Cubs, Rami. That's a pretty good bullpen, I would say. Well, they just got their ERA under five after a well, yeah, disastrous a start. start to the season. Small right. sample size, yeah, exactly. But like, you trust. An ERA, you're asking? Where do where do I think the Twins rank? No, I'm trying to think like relative to other clubs, like comfort. How oh, does okay. this go? Yeah, and how comfortable? Maybe, maybe I assumed too much. Maybe I like, the Brewers are a great bullpen, so you they trusted were. that they right. were, and then they lost Corey Knebel, and they didn't have Jeremy Jeffers for the first month of the season, and now I got Brewers fans on my timeline from my days back in Milwaukee in a full-on panic. Saying it's over. And yelling at David Stearns and the owner, Mark Antanasio, for not going out and getting Craig Kimbrell okay, so or Dallas Keuchel that's or where I'm going Gonzalez. With this. Right. And th- there I was are just teams. about to say this. Uh, you, uh, you go ahead, Rami. We get trapped in a bubble. And it it's awful when your bullpen blows a game. But two quick things. One, usually when you lose a game, it's your bullpen in today's game of baseball that gave up the runs that cost you the game because of the way that pitchers are used. Guys are rarely going more than five or six innings, so bullpens are pitching more innings, therefore there are more opportunities for bullpens to give up runs and blow games. That's just that's just the odds and the percentages of the way that the game is played today. Two, 
I was reading an article from Ken Rosenthal last week at The Athletic, and he was basically saying that bullpens across baseball look terrible right now, and that that's kind of a trend, but the trend is that bullpens get better as the season goes on because there is churn. Guys who aren't effective are dispensed of. Guys are called up from the minor leagues or are signed as free agents who are right now walking the streets and are more effective than the guys that you have. So bullpens tend to improve. So I think we get caught in this bubble and we get so frustrated and angry that a bullpen cost us another game. And I put that in quotations that you think it's the worst in the world when really it's probably middle of the pack. There, in my mind, there needs to be more people that you can trust. And right now it's very clear they don't. And that's going to be a problem because you're going to take yeah. the guys that you do trust. And by you July, yeah. by July, they're going to be shot. I, I would, the, the comp that I would draw between the twins and, and another professional team in town right now. And, and I believe that both of these are problems throughout their leagues. The Twins' bullpen is the Vikings' offensive line. Because teams try and get by in both cases with construction of it's going to work, we can make it work, we can make it work. And instead of a time saying, okay, this this is a problem, they still they take it so far that then it costs you and you got problems. And and in the Vikings case, that was true in 2016 and 18. And in, in the Twins case, this team is good enough now that you have to establish something. And I don't know if that's this is guys from Rochester. I don't know if this is guys who who weren't more of a look. But you've got to get to a point where Rogers and Hildenberger basically don't have their um, arms hanging by a thread yeah. by July. And and I will say this, watching Tyler Duffy struggle again is frustrating because we basically know how the book plays out. Sure. So so I, I get where you're going with this. I look at the Twins bullpen and I say, well, you know, here are two arms that could help. You're looking for internal development. If Fernando Romero is who you hoped he would be, that's a big help because that's a trusted late-inning arm. And then Matt McGill gets healthy I know he's not a big household name or anything like that, but... But that's fair, I, yeah. Yeah, I can tell you, like, internally, saying. the Twins are high on this guy. Okay. They, they, they like Matt McGill. They think he's part of a solution. So, at the same time, are we doing what the Vikings are doing and sort of just whitewashing and saying, like, ah, the Vi- this this offensive line will be fine because we, we've got Stephon well, Diggs and Dalvin Cook the and Romero, Adam Thielen. The Romero thing is really intriguing because I think um, Derek Wetmore, Rami, Judd, Falvey, Levine, Rocco all went into spring training believing that they were going to go north with him. Yeah. So that, that one's a really intriguing name because... I don't know that they thought he was going to be great, but I certainly thought they, that they believed he'd, He's be part pro- of their group. he'd be productive. Yeah, and he washed out in Florida. Didn't go well. So that that's a that's a definite X factor of something that didn't deliver. And right now, I think that's a problem. Sure, and I think if he can quickly, it was okay Saturday pitching and kind of not mop up, but you know what I mean. Like I he saw, was kind yeah. of just finishing the game. It wasn't great, but yeah. <laughs> The stat line's but not that good. But it wasn't what you need to see exactly. to make that leap you of think Kenny or Kenny. There were a number of people talking to me over the winter. I'm talking Twins fans, not within the organization, but Twins fans who viewed him as be like the odds-on closer for this group. It's like Even if they don't use a traditional closer, he's got to be one of the guys, right? And now he's pitching for Rochester. So he gets called up today. He and Cole Stewart. Stewart will start tonight's game against... Uh, Justin Verlander, go get him, boys. And there is this, there is this perception that the bullpen just isn't going to get it done. And I, and I, where I want to push back on the Vikings' offensive line talk is, didn't the Vikings sort of make a conscious trade? We will go skill position and a quarterback 
rather than make the bullpen good or, or make the uh, offensive line good, excuse me, with the hope that the offensive line is going to be what I would say good enough or adequate and you will dodge some injuries. I think relievers in baseball can be, not across the board, but can be, be very much like linemen in the sense of you think that you can make it work. And sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. But but aside from the lights out bullpen, Yankees, Kansas City, what now, three, four years back four years, that yeah. they had, I think there's a lot of teams that think they can get by. The Astros a couple summers and ago you know what? had that. And sometimes they probably can. Sometimes they probably can. But the I think, Red Sox did. But yeah, but we are see, but we are seeing the early season results, and, and I'm not asking for massive changes, but I am asking for some acknowledgement that things that there are a few things that need to be done because this could go south fairly quickly. And to the point of this offense is probably too good to let that happen to him. Real quick before the break, let's go ahead and, and address that that move that the Twins made today. Jake Cave and Tyler Duffy option to AAA. Fernando Romero and uh, Cole Stewart, which you guys mentioned, got recalled to the big league club. And you guys know what this means, right? <laughs> good news the, for your the guy. Most, the most important thing <laughs> about this move yeah, that's right. is that La Tortuga survives and will be there for La <laughs> Tortuga Day on Friday. You could have gone without him. As will I be because I checked the forecast and it's going to be sunny and 60. And those are conditions suitable for watching baseball, even though you didn't hashtag put a roof on it. Oh, but hold on, but, Rami. Put a hoodie on Rami. Put a hoodie on it. Put yeah, a hoodie maybe. on Rami. <laughs> Rami. I might be wearing a hoodie. So I got a, I got a note from a well-placed source that says... Are you breaking, about to ruin this for is me? Is this breaking news? Yeah, do you have the sounder? <laughs> Just, it's Manny, not that big of a breaking break. news. It's sounder? not that big of breaking news. There we go. Nice work. Thank you. <laughs> Well-placed source tells Score North to tell Rami La Tortuga Night is sold out and continues. If only he didn't move at the speed of a turtle not when it comes to buying tickets. Can't be true. Can't. I'm just passing on what I was told. So- That's not true. La Tortuga Night, at least the tickets that are specifically oh, for okay. getting the t-shirt. No. And the whatever, panini oh, sandwich situation. Oh, that not be is. true. That is what All I am right. told, and... Uh, I'll, I'll let you know as the story develops. No, this can't be true. It's a developing story. I'm going to go online right now and buy my tickets. He's probably going to book them during the segment because no, now we've got him nervous. It's probably, oh boy, this is a problem. No, I, I bet it's going to allow you to buy tickets and not tell you that the La Tortuga package is off the table. Well, no, I will I will not buy the tickets unless I know. That it that's might right. fool you. That's right. I will not be fooled again. You go in. I went to <laughs> thank a... You, thank you, Mr. <laughs> President. That's pretty good. I didn't catch that. <laughs> I went to a Phillies game a couple of summers ago. I was out of town for a conference. I love and that ballpark. Actually, it was last year because Manny Machado had just gotten traded to the Dodgers. Yeah. Last summer, and they had a cancer awareness night that you could get you know, special caps and whatever. But you had to go through this special portal. So what I'm saying, Rami, make sure you go through that portal. I'm looking for the portal. Because otherwise you're trying to get like portal? your GA. I'm looking like for the portal. Latro to the land? It was another dimension. Yeah, there was some weird. I'm like, in Astadia land. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's this? More food? Awesome. I thought I understood space and time until oh. that moment. And you I might did call not. it a tortal. I probably wouldn't. It's the Score North Twins show. No, I wouldn't. I'm going to turn North, the show off when uh, I'm on it. 1500. It was with Judd Zolgad and Derek Wetmore. <laughs> they just quit because my jokes are terrible. Manny Hill will stick around on the other side of the glass. I'll see if I can get those guys back, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Let's bat around some banter. Twins. Twins. The Score North Twin Show on Score North and Score North. Two strikes to Buxton. Down the line. It's a double. Fair ball. Bucks 
Gustin's on his way for another extra base hit, another double. The Twins have three runs, and they're threatening to put up a bigger number here in the third. That highlight courtesy of Fox Sports North. This is the Score North Twins show, along with uh, Derek Wetmore and Judd Zolgad, Manny Hill, other side of the glass. I'm Rami Makloff here, all of our Score North Twins shows, just by searching Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts. That includes this show, that includes Five Thoughts, that goes up every Friday, the Glenn Perkins show, Pat Royce on baseball. We have so much Twins programming for you that Score North Twins, wherever you download podcasts, or we're available on Spotify, say Alexa, open Score North. You can download the app, which is probably the best way to do it because you can win stuff doing that. It's available for Apple and Android, or you can always stream us live at uh, scorenorth.com. We're going to talk about Byron Buxton in just one second, but uh, another guy who tried to take center stage last night, who should never try to take center stage, but often does, was home plate umpire Angel Hernandez, Judd Zolgad. Can I tell you right now that I actually, so I was flipping back and forth between playoff hockey and Twins Astros, and I got an alert from somebody who knows I can't stand this complete fool Mm -hmm. um, on Twitter saying Angel Hernandez is behind the plate. And there were a few tweets about this, and I completely agree. It actually made me not want to watch that game. Like, I was excited, you know, Twins strolls, right? Twins had won the night before. Mm-hmm. Nice win. Mm-hmm. Astros are a very good team. Fun to watch, right? All of that. But Angel Hernandez is such a buffoon, and he's so bad at his job. And it's embarrassing to watch two teams that are both pretty good play a Major League Baseball game. I, I repeat, a professional baseball game. These guys are paid millions for the most part of dollars. And to see this idiot, this blithering idiot behind the plate, and you're watching the Fox Box strike zone and actively seeing him screw up. And what makes it worse is he thinks he's good. Like, and another blown call by Hernandez. I mean, this guy is uh, this guy is an idiot. It's <laughs> pretty good sound. <laughs> Thanks, Hawk. Oh, the Hawk is the Hawk. <laughs> well, but the Hawk's right. Hawk was right. Hawk was exactly right. And to watch this guy and and then so he rings up who which, was that Carlos Correa, I believe, on what was he missed a call that was a strike, called a ball. And then I think the next pitch was lower than that. It was a ball. He called yeah. that a strike. And Correa th- flings his bat. And if this was a competent umpire who wasn't a complete idiot, you toss him immediately. But Angel Hernandez is so bad and so clueless that he doesn't toss him because he knows he stinks deep down. But yet you see him try and run a game sure. as if he has any clue what yeah. he's doing. You know, it's him. It's C.B. Buckner. Joe West. Now, Joe West, I don't think he's as bad on balls and strikes. I don't think he's good. But Joe West thinks that this is 1975. And then who is the other guy? Is it Culpa who thinks he's good? Ron Culpa. Ron Culpa, who's extremely aggressive. These guys just need to be fired. Hmm. And I know Angel Hernandez sued baseball, and baseball got afraid. But how this guy ever has home plate in a game that's supposed to be taken seriously? Sure. Yeah, it, was, dull, it dulled my interest of this game, and I'm not joking. Was that uh, was it Correa or Springer or whatever? Oh, it was that Springer. I'm about? sorry. I'm sorry. Not Correa. I'm, Springer. I'm just, I, I look right. at the game, too, and Thank I see, you. like, Bregman mad at the strike zone. Both catchers mad at the strike zone. Both starting pitchers questioning the strike zone. Several relievers questioning the strike zone. Yes. Mitch Garver questioning getting rung up on a pitch that missed inside three inches. Like, yeah. uh, if it's one person, I usually look at the person who's complaining if it's everybody, if it's universal, I look somewhere else, and that's right behind the plate. That I started the tough game. I started a new hashtag last night. I have put a roof on it, which is just burning up Twitter right now. But yeah. I started a robot umpire takeover. 
Because I really, okay. I don't understand why we still have humans calling balls and strikes. Think about for one second what we're asking umpires to do with human eyes. Oh, impossible. Just think about it yeah. for one second. The ball is coming in at yeah. 90 plus miles per hour and moving in every which direction, has all kinds of spin on it. And a human is supposed to stand back there and determine whether or not this ball went through this imaginary zone that comes up directly from the ground, but starts just above the knees, is in the shape of a house, and ends just below the letters. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) There is no other job in the world that requires that amount of precision that we're still leaving up to human beings. Every job that requires that amount of precision, we've handed off to technology and computers, and I don't understand why we are still dealing with this. Robot umpires could literally get 100% of strikes and balls called correctly without any debate, without any controversy, without anything whatsoever, and still... Batters and pitchers have to go into a game on a given day wondering where that imaginary line is that is a strike or a ball. It's yeah. so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that this is still a thing. But the incredible thing to me is that is that a lot of these guys who are asked to do this extremely difficult job actually do a pretty good job. Sure. And this moron, blithering idiot has no clue. Why is he allowed to have the plate? Why is he doing this? Can I, uh, I have a bit of uh, audio. It's Mommy a, didn't give him enough attention. That's the answer to your question. It's, it's, you. it's about a minute long of uh, Tom Hamilton long-time radio play-by-play yeah. man of the Cleveland Indians. Sure. Uh, it was a uh, Indians-Twins game from a couple of years ago, and he's uh, doing play-by-play, and C.B. Buckner was uh, behind oh, the plate. Our guy. Here's the set and payoff pitch. Strike three called. Encarnacion not happy. Thought the pitch was outside. Was ready to go to first, and he is letting C.B. Buckner have it. And a look at the replay, and it was definitely outside. I I tell you what, somebody has to explain to people how certain umpires, like a C.B. Buckner, continue to have a job. At some point, don't you have to be qualified? (laughs) Yes. And don't you have to be good enough? If a player was as bad as he is, they'd be in the minor leagues or out of the game. And Buckner's been bad today for both teams. Wow. But that was a brutal call, and it's a game-changing call. And that takes nothing away from how the Twins have played and how they've pitched today. But it's ridiculous that certain guys in the umpiring profession keep their jobs no matter how bad they are. Now the set by Kinsler. Now the 0-2 pitch. Up high. How about that? He called it a ball. One and two the count. I love about, Tom Hamilton. How about that? He called it a ball. <laughs> He's, He's 100% right, seamless. though. Thank you, yes. He's 100% right. Yes. Even, even, even the umpires who are good at it, it sure. it's still not good enough. What is it, like, like 92%? We're debating ever. levels of terrible. So, is what we're debating. Well, yeah, I mean, balls and it's strikes. Just, it's fixable. Exactly. Balls and strikes bugs me. The one that's just like I will not ever understand is intent to swing. To not rely on your first and third base co-workers there who are there for that reason. But when the home plate umpire points aggressively at a guy who he deems to have gone two and a half centimeters too far with his intent to swing. Yeah. I sit there as a viewer and I think, oh boy. But why don't Why'd we, you inject yourself into that one? Until the uh, robot umpire, strike one, strike two, is in place. Why, like for tennis? Why don't we, which I think will will come it'll be slower than than most of us would probably prefer but it will come 
why don't we pay the guys that are good at this job a lot more to work the plate and remove everybody else and put them on the basis? I don't know. I have no idea. I can't answer. Like, that are question. you like if I pay you a million? Empire Union that strong? Like, is it a mental you just fatigue? Can't get thing? rid of them. I mean, because otherwise, then I butt heads with them. Then you butt- have the same guy doing balls and strikes if he was exceptional at it. But I think the argument is, and you saw this in the doubleheader, they bring in another umpire to add to the staff. Yeah, so pay more. Doing the plate. Well, pay more. Well, sure, but and I get mean, rid of uh, the buffoons. Yeah, but there is a logical extreme to that. You can't just say these. 15 guys are the best at it, so they get every single day of the Major League Baseball season. That's that's probably more of a mental grind than anything else, I would guess, in addition to sort of the physical grind of it, which can be a real challenge. I just want to give myself the best chance possible of not making my sport a joke. Yeah, I'm playing devil's advocate for a group of people that I don't particularly enjoy or think makes the game a lot better. But just to have the other side of the argument out there, I do think that there's this element of... It's a it's a tough job, and you can't just take the best of them and multiply them out across 162 right, games. Right, season. but but you also should never get to a place like what we saw last night or the CB Buckner games, where those guys are actually being asked to decide what can be an important game. How do they pick that? You guys know because I because I don't know. Like, okay, you got your crew chief, yep. and you got three games in a series. This this crew is going to be working these three games. How they rotate? You mean? I think they rotate. The plate? I think I think the. I think it's so the, like how the first base umpire he goes does. behind sure, the plate. Sure, sure, sure. How, how do they decide? Like, on oh, I, I don't know. Like, who's got the plate on game one, and who's my guess, not going to get the my, plate this series? My guess is game. My guess is game one of a crew. Game one of the season. The crew chief has home plate. Is my guess, okay. and then they just and start just the cycles. rotation from there. Okay. Well, I, but I, Angel I should just never get the play. <laughs> I mean, if you're no, on but I, I don't think that skips. I don't think that's that big of ask. He should be fired. Like he shouldn't have a job doing this. Well, here's what's funny though, Judd. You say Angel should never get the plate, but the Hawk Harrelson thing, the... And another blown call by Hernandez. <laughs> Angel one. Hernandez was the first base umpire. <laughs> yeah, no, he just should, no, he should be fired. He should just not have a job. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And C.B. Buckner shouldn't either. <laughs> well, no. guys, don't get so mad about that because it just goes instantly to replay. This is the saddest part of replay. I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I feel for every umpire who gets overturned by an obvious replay call. Because think about that. You go down, okay, challenge. We're going to put the headset on like 15 seconds later. Everybody and their nephew knows that this call is going to get overturned. And then that umpire has to like do the fake jog thing where he pumps his arms and walks back over to his spot at first base knowing like, well, everybody in the stadium knows you just screwed up. You done messed up, and you've got to wear it now till the next play starts, and we can. But that's kind of forget about to, it. To totally. blowing a call completely oh, totally. and looking who who was, was the poor guy that blew the uh, Jim Joyce. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody no came out afterwards and said like Jim Joyce, one of the best umpires. Well, this he is started too bad. crying, but I don't care. Just fix it. <laughs> yeah, they there did. They did. That's uh, the, yeah. that's I, the I'm, I'm not even going to start. So anyway, there's this like... <laughs> Move on to Buxton. Being, I, this guy's an idiot and should be fired. <laughs> <laughs> that was my point. Seriously, you just should be fired. Sum it up. Being on the bases on and now getting uh, upset about the call being blown, I, I don't think the Hawk would get as upset because now it's just like, oh, well, they'll challenge that. They'll get it right. I just, love that, right. I just love that we've gone from, since we haven't had a Minnesota sports coach get fired in a really long time now in, in, in a few months. <laughs> Judd has now shifted to umpires that need to be yeah. fired. I'll put it up on the whiteboard. Days since Judd has called for someone's job. We got to reset it. <laughs> oh, I could be called. Back to zero. <laughs> Wait for the first round of draft tomorrow back, night. Back to zero. So are we all are we all on? I know you guys won't get on the put a roof on it movement. Hashtag put a roof on it. 
Are we all on the hashtag robot umpire takeover train? Are we all yeah, I'm on fine the same it. page yes. here? Yeah, I mean, I want home it should I want the I want the yeah, strike just zone to be strikes. Right. That's all I want. Right. Are you are you going to change the definition of the strike zone then? Because right now they basically call it up to the belt when it should be about halfway up the torso. Uh, we could change the game pretty dramatically if we started you know, calling the high strike. I wouldn't object to that. I'd okay. be good with it. I'm just Speed curious. No, whatever whatever the letter of the law is. We have the technology right. to get 100% of the balls and whatever. And if they change it, they change it. If they keep it the same, they keep it the same. But I just think that pitchers and hitters should be able to show up to the ballpark on a day-to-day basis right. and know what the actual strike zone is. Right. See I, see, I think that should be a fair compromise in that you let these umpires decide what the strike zone is going to be for whatever game that they're going to have behind That's the That's my plate. zone, bro. But that that is the they predetermine it before the game. This Plug is what in. the zone is going to be hmm. and for That's the, in, the entire duration of the game. Still unacceptable. But we at can't least, have different strike no, zones for different but, umpires. But Rami, at at the very least for that game the strike zone will be consistent. 100 percent. So is the, the CB Buckner strike play. zone? Is it just like a bunch of floating dots? Here <laughs> you know what? Around. <laughs> these, Got it through the hoop. That's these a strike. Egomaniacs should be stripped of every bit of control that they have. <laughs> you do, baseball determines the strike zone in whatever it is, February. That's the strike zone. If you don't like your job, quit. And by the way, there's still there is still because I get this question all the time. Well, what happens to the home plate umpire? You're costing someone their job. No, they still have a job now because he's just going to serve because the robot they get to they get to the determine strikes. if little Jimmy properly got out of the way of the catcher and he slid and we didn't sure. have that home plate collision. So there's still things to decide. Yeah, place well, you want to get rid of that. You want to bring back the home plate collision? Right. No, I was, yeah, uh, yeah, I was trying to infuriate Derek because oh. I'm sick he of, got under I'm my sick skin of with you know what? You know what? I'm sick of I'm sick of paying for a cable package and watching baseball games. They're essentially little league sure give me back professional baseball all right and last gonna, night was not professional let's talk about buxton up, we're not going to open up that can of worms let's save buxton for the next segment because i just wanted to relay something that I, I i've asked smart people in the game about this over the years because we've been talking about robot umpire since touch them all first was conceived as a podcast two things one there is this element of like umpire safety you don't want these guys to be standing back there getting these foul tips and getting these stingers and it's just kind of, oh, laugh it off, rub some dirt on it like you're fine. Like, no, these guys are putting themselves in harm's way to, as Rami put it, do a bad job. And you're not wrong. I'm just (laughs) quote tweeting Rami Makhlouf on that one. I appreciate that. And the other thing is, every time you make a change in baseball, whether it's the rules, when they're kicking around this like mound height thing or pitch clock or roster sizes or anything like that, someone with the twins pointed out be very careful about unintended consequences. I like it's it's a fun thing for sports talk radio. So by all means, let's keep talking about it. Let's make the game better. Let's hashtag put a roof on it, or let's take robot umpires and put it behind the plate. What we are sometimes it's tough to do on a like a macro level is what is the fallout of that that we didn't see coming, and that's the only thing that I'd want to settle before I sign on the dotted line of. Yes, robot umpires, but I'm I'm ninety seven and a half percent of the way there because to me it's ridiculous that we have these rules and then they change every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And so Mitch Garver has to go up there thinking in a key at bat, not only is this flying object coming towards my body, is it going to be in this little imaginary box or is it going to be in a spot where I can crush it? Oh, and this time is different from the last 600 times I've seen this flying object coming at me because some guy behind the plate decided that today. See, that's, that's, that's not fair to Mitch Garver. 
if, or George Springer or whatever. If umpires are worried about losing their jobs, you can still stand back there and yell ball or strike based on what the, the robot says. We need, we need somebody back that like tennis has this technology to determine if a ball is in or out. They didn't get rid of line judges, right? He just stands up there and tells you what he saw on the monitor. If the ball was in or out, we still need a guy to do that. We still need a messenger. So you can still be the messenger. Only people won't hate you. Angel Hernandez. We'll hit a quick break on the other side. We will get to the uh, Byron Buxton discussion. He's doing some special things for your Minnesota twins. We'll talk about that next on the score North twins show on score North on 1500 and score North.com. And another blown call by Hernandez. I've become a fan of baseball and everything you need to know about how baseball works. And it might get a little crazy, but let's get straight to it. Whoever scores the most runs wins. It's the Score North Twin Show. Twins Twins coverage on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Two strikes to Buxton. Down the line. Fair ball. And Buxton's on his way for another extra base hit, another double. The Twins have three runs, and they're threatening to put up a bigger number here in the third. That was on Fox Sports North last night. This is the Score North Twins show. I'm Rami Makhlouf along with Derek Wetmore and Judd Zolgad on Score North Live at uh, 2 o'clock with Matthew Collar. We're doing a, what are we calling it, a station-wide draft sim? I th- yeah, I think we're all going to sit around and make picks, and then and then Collar, who knows all about the draft, is going to mock us. We're get, going to get in a room. And by like, mock, not in a good way. No. He'll we're mock gonna, the mocks. We're going to get, get in a room like six to eight of us. I don't even know who's all included in this thing. Did you guys go, invite Ross this time? No. We're going to go <laughs> around the horn Ross got left out Sorry, and Ross. make our picks and see how the He's first round Damon. of the NFL draft. <laughs> He's sitting in the green room just ready to make his pick. Oh, sir, we ran out of time again on today's uh, draft show. Maybe next year, Roscoe. So tune in for that at two and show us your mock by tweeting Score North a screenshot of your predictions for who Minnesota will draft in all seven rounds of this year's draft. Tweet at Score North. Using both the hashtag ScoreMock, that's S-K-O-R, Mock, and the hashtag Contest, the entrant with the most picks correct will win Cool Cool Score North gear for a free draft simulator. Just visit scorenorth.com, keyword draft. And that was yet another double for uh, Byron Buxton last night. Who does He still leads the league in doubles, does he not? As far as I know, uh, unless somebody hit three of them last night, he's in first place. And I don't want to steal your thunder, Derek Wetmore, and folks can read more about this at scorenorth.com in your Five Thoughts column, the column that was so good it had to become a podcast. That's every Friday. Um, 68% of his hits... Our extra base hits this year. That's right. That is absolutely ridiculous. 12 doubles, a triple, and only a handful of singles. And I joked about this in the column, too. It should be higher than that, because what about the time he singles and then steals second base immediately? Right. Like, and now you're on second base with nothing else having to have been done other than you just going and stealing basically 100% of the bags you try to steal. You should get credit for that. Absolutely. So it's been a fun streak for Buxton starting the year. Um, and it's nothing but encouraging sign for the Twins that this guy who was supposed to be this huge variable, we don't know what he's going to be. Is he going to be good Buxton, bad Buxton? It looks like anyways in the early goings here, first three weeks of the season, it's good Buxton, and that's that's big, big, big for the Twins in 2019. What do you think, What at what point are you going to become convinced, and I'm getting close, but that this is sustainably real, I guess. Sure. Because you do, the one, the one thing is we've seen him go through stretches, not like this, but we've seen him go through a few stretches up here where he looks fantastic, and then something goes wrong and it crashes down. 
Sure. Now, now, this feels very different to me, and his confidence feels very, very different. But that being said, being a little bit more cautious than I probably am, Derek, Yeah. what's your what's your timetable for taking that step from, okay, this is really fun to watch, and you're playing really well, to, you know what, now I think I think you're, you're a guy that Falvey should go to with an eight-year, multi-million-dollar contract yeah. and say, sign it. I'm months away from that. Okay, that's I'm, what I'm curious. I'm, I'd like to but see that a makes full sense. season. That does make sense. So the way I look at it, and I, and I wrote this in the column too, is like, I think right now what you can say about Buxton, and I heard you guys batting ninth debate. I'm team bat him ninth. All season? No. Okay. But I'm still there right now. I'm still good with them having him there. Yeah, right talk now. to me on June first. Right. See where he's but at. But that's part of their but that's part of them I becoming touch convinced him. it's changed. I wouldn't touch him in May. Oh he's batting okay. ninth unless it's an NL park, in which case he's batting eighth. Okay. Until June first, let's still talk. Bottom ninth. Yeah, well, that'd be fine. It's been done. <laughs> I know, Tony Larusa. But I look at this and I say, I okay, what you can say right now is the Twins have a very good everyday regular playing center field and batting ninth for them. Period. And I said too that like a couple of months from now, it's possible that Buxton makes that look like a comical understatement to say good everyday player. But that's what he is right now. He's a good everyday player. Makes it happen on the bases. He's the best defender in baseball, or at least he's on the short list. And offensively, he is getting on base. He's hitting for some extra bases. And like I said, he's causing terror once he's out there. So it's it's all good. It's all positive. But I'm wait and see because if you look under the hood, some of the metrics that you'll find on either you know Baseball Savant or some of those analytics places – it's still not convinced. His his batted ball profile does not convince me there is a superstar right now. There is good outcomes happening offensively for him, but I look at the quality of contact he's making, and it's not Mike Trout. It's not Christian Yelich. So so he's he's not that class of player. The good thing for Buxton is he doesn't have to be that class of hitter to be a really, really valuable player for the Twins. So in, and in that's why charts, I see a good player here. In those charts, where is he at right now compared to where you would... Love to see him. So how about looking at the rest of the Twins? Nelson Cruz makes great quality contact. Jorge Polanco so far this year. Max Kepler. Um, Jonathan Scope. And then Buxton's kind of in that like that next group. Um, there are some metrics who really don't like him, like put him as one of the worst Twins. But really? Yeah, just in terms of like the quality of his contact he's making consistently. Because he still strikes out a fair amount. He's still popping out and doing some of that stuff. Okay. But... Enough of his hits have fallen four base hits that it, it looks really double, good. Those doubles, it seems like to me, oh, are absolutely up. smoked. Yeah. Like yeah that's, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. He said he's not making the quality of contact that, Consistently. that Mike Trout is, but right. he's hitting the ball harder this year than he ever has, right? When you look at his yes. top exit oh, velocity, yeah. his average exit velocity, this is a different Byron Buxton in terms of the quality of the contact that he's making. Well, not only the quality of the contact, but when he's doing that. He gets a first pitch fastball now, and if it's right down the pipe, he's taking a he's taking a bite at that thing. Whereas in the past, I think you'd see him, okay, take strike one, and now swing at a str- slider off the plate, and now you're 0-2 and guessing, uh, good luck, because that pitcher out there is paid to get you out, and he's going to feast. Now it's, oh, I got a hittable pitch? Oh, Okay, yeah, I'm going to take that changeup and dump it into left field early in the count, one and zero, whatever. That's the big difference to me for Buxton is his aggressiveness at the plate. He's giving himself those pitches to hit 
and do damage with. I'm just saying that when you ask me about, like, am I convinced he's arrived as a superstar? Not yet. I'd like to see this for a couple more months, and I'd like to see him improve some of those peripherals. He's, right now, He's I view him as, like, a middle class of the Twins hitters. And in a great lineup, that's a good thing. I was going to say, I don't know that. It, it's just that, I guess, for me, having watched him for so long now and scuffle for so much of that time, Derek, it just looks like the approach now is on track to where you're comfortable. Yes. For a long time there, you weren't. Because defensively, the guy is masterful. He's just great. But for a long time there, there, there was the ebbs and flows, and oh my goodness, Buxton put together two decent months, and now he's slumping again. And, and I do I do love to see, though, that in my mind, this all starts with the fact that he quit listening to everybody who basically told him something, and that he has an, an approach and that whoever told him to be patient, he finally said, forget that. Sure. Because right. the patience thing drove you crazy. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're right. He'd work the count as if he was good, and he really wasn't good enough to do that. Joe Maurer can work and the now, count. Sure. And, and that's fantastic. Because he can hit with two strikes. And you know what? If you can work the count and do it well, you make it look easy and sure. good for you. Sure. Nelson but, Cruz. But right. But now we are seeing a guy who's got the proper approach, and that and that's why I think they are very comfortable with him hitting ninth for a while here. Yep. Because they don't, they're probably afraid, rightfully so, I would guess, that if you displace him and you're like, oh, you're fine now, you're right. going to go back in into that. Now he takes two steps back. So 20 games, three. this is before last night's loss to the Astros, but he, 20 games into the season, 20 games played for Buxton, or maybe it was 18 games played. Can't remember. Remember he crashed into a wall and missed a game or yeah, something? Yeah, I'd like to yes. see him stop doing that. 19 baseballs that Byron Buxton has hit this year have left his bat at 100 miles an hour or more. Okay. Now, I think exit velocity tends to get overrated. We look at exit velo and say, like, oh, that's the mark of a good hitter. It's like, mm, yes and no. It's good. You'd rather hit it hard than not hit it hard, but it's not the be-all, end-all. I'm not ready to replace batting average with exit No, velo. but in his case, it is important. In this case— I'll, I'll buy into this one. He He's hit 19 balls at 100 miles an hour or more, which is a big, big number. And for him, enough of those are going to fall in fair territory in the outfield— that he's gonna that's automatic extra bases for him. Yep. Doesn't take much for it to be a double. Now you're in scoring position. I mean, you could even argue that first base is scoring position for him, depending I was just on the gonna hit. Say, right. Like it is pretty incredible. Uh, the example I had dug up for the column was in New York, and I think Michael Pineda was pitching that game. Maybe it's Philadelphia. It was one of those interleague games out there. And he gets on base ahead of Pineda, immediately steals second base so that Pineda has a fighting chance. And then when he grounds out to the shortstop on this little weak hit tapper, Buxton's so fast he takes third. Well, now Williams has to deal up at the plate with a runner on third and less than two outs. You know where this story is headed. Automatic sack fly. He's right. just going to put the bat on the ball, get it out to the outfield. Doesn't have to be too deep to score Buxton. So I look at these numbers with Buxton in context of like, he doesn't have to have superstar quality contact like a Mike Trout, like Christian Yelich, like any of these superstar hitters to be an incredibly valuable player for the Twins. And if he is on that short list of valuable players in baseball, this is an entirely different Twins team. This is one that's got its sights rightfully set on October and really should start looking up to a division series and saying, how can we go win that short series? He's one of the few guys left in Major League Baseball in 2019 where if there is one or or no outs, literally all you're asking for him to do is get on. Any get on any base. way he can possibly get on, whether it's a walk or a, a duck snort, to quote Hawk Harrelson we heard from earlier in the show, or yeah. a hundred mile per hour line drive off the outfield wall, whatever yeah. it is, as long as he's on base, 
and there's one or less outs, he's basically in scoring position, like yeah. you said, Derek. But that's why we always said, dude, hit two fifty eight. Right. Like just get on sometimes. Sure. Because he changes he changes the entire dynamic of the game. I'd like to see him hit a couple home runs here coming up. That'd be nice. Those doubles, though, turn are precursors runs. to home runs. Because yep. when it gets warmer out, that ball is going to travel just a little bit farther. I got a fun stat for you guys as long as we're wrapping on Buxton here mm-hmm. is the stolen base streak, 33 games. Well, if you're a Buxton homer and you want to be a, a just a shameless self-promoter, you might say, as I did in the column. I've never been a shameless self-promoter ever. You say that. No, I no. wouldn't accuse Lamy's next appearance will be tonight at the Acme Comedy Club. He'll be following that up with another appearance. Be sure to look up our show on Spotify. And if you give us five stars, it'd be awesome. I look at Buxton and I say, that 33 is great. It's awesome. It's a fun number. The time he got thrown out was in the summer of 2017 in Baltimore. And he wasn't actually caught by getting beat by the throw. He overslid the second base bag and was tagged out on sort of the follow-through. So I'll give him that stolen base. And then you'd have to go back six more successful stolen bases before he was caught in late 2016, I want to say that it was. Mm -hmm. I think it's 40 consecutive steals. If you want to do some funny math and and cheat there a little bit before the Astros got him out this week, uh, Robinson Chirinos, I think, is the one responsible for throwing him out. And that, to me, is an incredible streak. And it underscores, too, that... Not a lot of guys take a lot of bases these days because this is the fastest guy in baseball, and he's become a good base runner too. And even he could only put together 40 in a row. Now he's starting a new streak. If you missed any of this show or want to check out any of our Score North Twins programming, just search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts, or as Derek just shamelessly said, we are available on <laughs> Spotify, say no Alexa, apologies. open Score North, or go get that app. And the more you listen, the more you can win cool Score North gear. For Derek Wetmore, find his thoughts on the Twins at scorenorth.com. Judd Zolgad, Manny Hill, I'm Rami Makhlouf saying thanks. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.